Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. I'm going to begin with a scripture and then ask a question to set the tone for today's message. It is going to be very pastoral. Everybody okay with that? I do kind of roll between, I guess, I was originally an evangelist out on the road, stirring that, doing revival, but we function under the, 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 the role that the Lord has given us here, and, and pastorally, I've just been feeling in my heart, you know, number one thing I always believe the Lord has called me to do, I would call it a divine encourager. That's what I feel like I am for the body of Christ, that there's people that come in and give you a lot of different things, but my job is simply to encourage you because the Bible says that if you believe, you can do the impossible. Come on, somebody. But you got to stir that up and really get it in your spirit. And the enemy's whole tactic is to discourage you and discourage you and discourage you so that what you set out to believe, you get discouraged from, and so you never produce or do the impossible that God says you can do. Amen? And I want to encourage everybody here, you can do the impossible. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, there is still much and great things in store for your life. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. Come on, you can do better than that. Amen. I felt it. All right. Bear with me. I am sleep deprived, which means the filter at which I usually place upon my mouth is no longer here today. This first service was interesting at times, but we had a good time. And ultimately, I believe everything that was said was indeed biblical. (laughs) A couple people looked upset. Few people took notes, but you know what I'm saying? It was a good time. So let's let's read a scripture to make it sanctified. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, finally. scripture in Proverbs. It's the glory of the Lord to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search that matter out. There's infinite wisdom in the word of God. Any problem, anything that you face, the answer is in the written word of God that is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He spoke unto them a parable saying, can the blind lead the blind or will they not both fall into a ditch? If you were to get into a car, an Uber car, and you jump in and you realize your driver is blind, how many of you just buckle up and say, this will be interesting? And how many of you say, I'm getting out right now? People are actually, the strange thing is people, you can see the cogs, they're actually weighing it up right now. Get out of the car, people. What if it's a Tesla? Yeah, that's, that's got a good reputation right now. Can the blind lead the blind? Let me tell you, before we get anywhere else in this message right now, the first thing you got to understand as a born-again child of God, full of faith, full of the Spirit of God, you cannot look to a fallen world to tell you the path forward. Don't look to evil people to tell you what righteousness is. Don't look to people that are living under a curse to tell you what a blessing is. Don't look to blind people in the natural, in the spiritual world to tell you the path that God has for you. They don't know it. They don't see it. They can't comprehend it. Are you with me right now? We are people of faith. We move by the word of God. We move by the unction of the Holy Spirit. We don't move by what we, we're not moved by what we see. We see a lot, but it doesn't move us. So my question to you this morning, the title of my message is a question. Where are you going? You look at your life, where are you headed right now? Now we could think of this as an eternal question. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Who believes that? One eighth of the church. See, you know, this is how we know we're in revival. You know, an eighth of the church is pretty well convinced, possibly, maybe heaven's real. I mean, just testimony of how well I minister every week. That at this point, we've got a good, you know, 12 to 15% of people that are actually believing the basics. Praise God. Pray for me often, people. Who believes that heaven is real? Come on. All right. 
just got to encourage you. I know we're tired, apparently. <laughs> Heaven is real, so is hell. The choice is yours. Now listen, the truth may not be your choice, but your response to it is. And the truth is, heaven exists and hell exists. Everything paid for you to go to heaven has been covered, but you've got to choose to want it, to desire it, to live the life that produces the eternal reward of heaven. But if we dial it back from just an eternal standpoint and we think of it just in this life, this vapor of a life that we have on this earth, oftentimes before you even knew the Lord, and if you look at the world itself, there's this driving force in mankind. You know, I remember years ago um, reading the story, God is Dead by Friedrich Nietzsche. Did any, has anybody ever read that short story? Just to show how intelligent I am. Nobody? Okay, it's famous. Everybody talks about it in the, the, the psychology world. Thank you, one person. It's, we'll talk about it after service. Friedrich Nietzsche is called the father of deduction because he created deductive reasoning. And the whole story is that science has killed God. And I think many of you are beginning to realize you probably have heard of this before. But Friedrich Nietzsche wrote another short story. And in it, he asked the question, why is it that mankind always desires to be number one? Did anybody ever dream of being second place? Let's just be honest. Let's just... Dig a little deep right now. When you were a kid, did you ever dream of being vice president or did you dream of being president? I'm hitting it right now. Did you ever dream of being like the support on the side or were you always the superhero? Were you Robin or were you Batman, people? Come on. I'm asking the important spiritual questions right now. You never, your dream was never one day I want to be a sidekick. Because in every person is an innate desire to somehow or another to be number one. And the father of deduction, the one that said science killed God, then turned around and rebuked himself by saying, it must give way that the only reason why mankind desires to be number one is that there is an eternal king, an eternal God that is greater than everybody, that he made us, and so our desire is to be like him. Are you with me right now? It's a driving force of mankind that yes, we understand we are born in this and born in that, but yet every person born in extreme poverty, born in extreme wealth, at one point in their life have this overwhelming desire and crying out that there has got to be more. Are you with me right now? Who in here has ever felt there's more? I have not seen enough in my life and I am not satisfied with the results that I'm getting. There's a cry that says there is more for me. Come on, if I'm talking to you, shout amen. amen. I'm feeling it now. We're starting to gear up. We had second gear there. Ushers, go ahead and bring the espresso shots. It's about to get glorified in here tonight. Tonight, I don't even know what time of day it is. Don't even ask me what day it is, okay? Thursday morning, I woke up and I was like, what day is it? What's expected of me? Am I supposed to do something today? Is it Sunday? And then I realized it's awake America. Chill out. You'll get through this. <laughs> Possibly a little bit overload. This flesh won't last for eternity. But the gnawing sensation of more exists in every person because you are eternal. You are eternal. A life, even a hundred years of success, is not enough to feel that sensation because there actually is more beyond this life. Amen. That's why living for God matters. That's why keeping your eyes on eternity matters. But in, a, in this approach, let's apply this to this vapor of a life now. Let me ask you a question. If you were to keep on the trajectory of your current life, doing exactly what you're doing, waking up every day, doing the same thing you do every single day, going the same places, working the same thing, earning the same thing, producing the same thing, 15 years from now, if the Lord tarries, can you look at me and say, I am absolutely satisfied with the results that I will get? Look at this, head shaking everywhere. And so why is it that we live our life and we fall victim to falling in a rut of just going through the motions constantly when if we ever stood back, step back and look at it, we'd say, even if I keep faithfully doing this every day, I won't even be happy with what I get at the end of it. Right. Boy, I'm hitting it now, boy. 
People might get up and scream at me, but you know what? Your life is a gift from God. But the world does its best to crush you, to make you feel like life is a burden and not a gift. To make you feel like you're stuck in a rut. If you're stuck in a rut, you've got to sum up your life and realize what the heck is going on. And realize at the end of the day, if the word of God is true, if every promise and every prophecy in this Bible can be mine, then I got to reevaluate my life and figure out how to tap into what I believe. Because if I believe it, I can do the impossible. Do you believe that this morning? Then shout amen. Say every promise is mine in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I felt that. Come on, somebody. So we're going to focus on this life on, our, on, on planet earth. Turn with me in your Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 2. And this is Paul writing to Timothy. And he says, preach the word. Say, preach the word. Preach the word. Who in here is grateful for the word of God? Come on, somebody. With the word of God, I don't need prophets lined up to tell me what to do. I don't need to call into the prophetic hotline and give a thousand dollars to get a breakthrough. I can open up this Bible morning, noon, and night, sleep deprived, well rested, and I can discover absolute eternal truth that I can stake my life on because if it came from the mouth of God, it will accomplish that which it was sent forth to do. Amen. God, let me tell you something. You've got to figure this out. And I'm about to hit it. It says, be ready in season and out of season. Now, I had always read this and I'd always thought of this in the sense of the world itself. There's a season for everything. There's a season of revival. There's a season of not revival. Season of the harvest. Season of the plowing. But let's apply it not in the world seasons. Let's apply it to your life. Just as a whole. There's times when things are clicking and everything's going great. feels like you're in season. You're tracking, you're moving, things are awesome, things are changing. But then you get through times or seasons in life that really just don't feel like things are moving very well. Anybody testify you've been in that? Bro, we've all been there, you know what I'm saying? We get in these ruts, we get in this stalemate, we get in this time. And in those out-of-season moments, you got to make a decision. Because your out-of-season moment can lend itself to be the entirety of your life if you don't realize that you're the one responsible to get out of this season. And the way you get out of the season is you preach the word to numero uno. If you believe that you can preach to a field on Awake America and people's hearts will be open to Jesus and their lives will be eternally changed, then you better believe you can preach the word to yourself in a mirror and you can produce results too. Amen. Sometimes you've got to get the... The, 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 the fire in you to talk to yourself and say, it says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Sometimes you got to rebuke yourself. Amen. Somebody grab it. If you make your spouse be the one responsible to rebuke you all the time, what a horrible position to put your spouse in. Sometimes you got to take ownership and rebuke yourself. Sometimes you got to encourage yourself. Sometimes you got to convince yourself God's on your side. Sometimes you've got to speak out until you break the thing off of your mind. Are you with me right now? It's truth, man. People sit there and go through dark seasons and they clamp up and they get quiet. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Sit in a corner, turn the lights off, move back and forth and feel depressed and turn on Oprah and try and find something else to distract yourself. Crack open a night at Natty Light and lose yourself in a buzz. Let me tell you, you will wind up 15 years from now on the same couch with the same potato chips, more stains, more weight, less hair, feeling just as bad as you did 15 years before. Or you can shut the TV off, get out of the lazy boy, look in the mirror and say, bless God, you're a child of the most high. You're called, you're appointed, you're, his hand is upon you. You will break through. You believe it? Shout amen. Come on. I felt that one right there. The Bible says the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, they will have itching ears and heap up for themselves teachers. This can be, once again, thinking of it personal. How many of you, without show of hand, without shouting anybody's name, especially Aunt Bertha, know the person that they will sit there and when you try and encourage them and you try and give them the word of God, what is their response? 
I know, but. Yeah, yeah, I already know that. Yeah, I've heard that. It didn't work for me. Bro, the word of God is not a lottery system. Are you with me? It's not like it works for 23% and the other 70 something. 77. Don't get it. Come on. Flow with me, people here. Math on the fly when you're sleep deprived is not an easy thing. You got me. You know what I'm saying. I should have stuck with 725. It would have been a lot easier math. Why did it come out 23? God, I'm trying to look cool. Now I look like I graduated fourth grade and figured that was enough. And there's no problem if you only made it to fourth grade. You can still rise above. Amen. I feel it. <laughs> what did you learn today? I learned when you speak publicly, do not involve math. Yeah, that's all everybody's notes so far, you know. All right, anyways, back to the, the glorified, sanctified, anointed word of God, people. This is a serious service, all right? So they will turn away their ears from the truth and they will be turned aside to fables. Now listen, I deal with this a lot. Where you, you do try and encourage people, you're trying to get people a breakthrough. But really... They, they say they need counseling. They don't even want counseling. They don't want help. They don't want a breakthrough. They have fully persuaded themselves that they have every right to wallow in self-pity and excuse themselves that God is not on their side and that they were just dealt that and they must endure this like Job endured this. And then only one day in the sweet by and by will they get their breakthrough. If you're living like that, shake that off right now and say, hell no, heaven yes. Come on. Do not let hell's mindset become your mindset. You are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. You rise above. You break through. Come on, somebody. It says, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I find it in incredible when you read what Paul wrote while in prison to Timothy, or you read the book of Ephesians. Here is a man that knows that he will be dying shortly. He knows that his life is on the line. He was warned before he even went to Rome that if he went there, he would be arrested and he would be killed. And yet he chose to go anyways because he felt he had fulfilled the vision that God had given to his life. And Paul, sitting in prison with all this time knowing my life is coming to an end, did not write the words of Paul, a broken and bitter man, suffering for God. Timothy, run from the ministry. Learn from me, bro. It's, it's heaven for a moment, but then it'll catch up to you and you'll find yourself like me, broken down in prison, starving and cold. Please send help. Paul, a once-be apostle of Jesus Christ now abandoned to rot in prison. But he didn't write from that standpoint. He wrote from a standpoint of freedom. When you read Ephesians, it doesn't write from a place of bondage. Even though he was in prison, he wrote from a place of freedom. He wrote from a place of a warrior. Talking about you're a soldier of the most high. Gird yourself. Put on the armor of God. Go out and fight the good fight. He said, pray in the spirit at all times. Stand strong, and when you've done all you can do, but stand, stand therefore. Come on, somebody. He said, I poured my life out as a drink offering. And then Paul wrote three key things that he said to Timothy, which to me mirrored things, three things that God told to me two, two and a half, three years ago, or two years ago, that I still to this day struggle to get right. Anybody in here ever had the Lord tell you something and you found out, man, I'm not really good? Now what the Lord told me to do? Come on. Or are you just an expert at it at day one, you know? 
When the Lord speaks into you, he speaks into you in a voice that always resounds and always comes back. And he speaks it to you because you actually need that to keep winning the fights that go on in your mind. Amen. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, fight the good fight. Say, fight the good fight. He said, I have fought the good fight. What is the good fight? That's the fight of faith. Fight the good fight. The strongholds, the attacks, the chains of bondage. You're not wearing physical chains. You didn't come here with a ball and chain on today. Those things are strongholds in the mind. They are taught culturally. They are taught in the public school system. They are taught by your fathers and your grandfathers that didn't know God. Taught by your mothers that spoke it into you. You're poor. You'll always be poor. You're broken. You're not smart. You can't do it. It's strongholds that get in people's minds. Well, I can't rise above because I don't have a high enough education level. I can't rise above because I'm not the right social class. Class. I can't rise above because of my skin color. I can't rise above because I'm too old now. I'm too young now. I'm too this right now. I'm a foreigner in a foreign land. Those are strongholds. And you think what happens is people think they're the only one that has that and everyone else is free and that's why they're successful and you're not successful. Let me tell you, everybody that has ever found success had to face the same strongholds that came in their mind and say, no, bless God, I will break through. I will not be what this three pound brain says I am. I will be what God says I am. Hallelujah. I'll break through. There's strongholds that come. Fighting the good fight is understanding. I'm not going out there leotards and swords swaying in my backyard. You can do that if it feels good to you. And one thing's for sure. Most likely your neighbors will leave you alone and never bring you anything. So at least you solved that problem. are strongholds of the mind and the way you break that through is like I started you got to look in the mirror and you got to speak to yourself the word of God that with all those thoughts that want to compound and multiply and get faster and faster coming at you the only thing that stops them is your voice of faith to come out and speak the opposite when it comes in you fight the good fight of faith and it reminds me of something the Holy Spirit told me two and a half, three years ago, he said three things to stop saying and remove from your vocabulary. The first one he said to me is stop saying I'm busy. Stop saying I'm busy. The Bible never says be a busy person. Jesus said judge things by its fruit, which means you're actually supposed to be productive, not busy. There is a difference, people. In America, we can get very, very busy to where we're so busy we can't hear the still small voice of the Lord because we'll get to that next week. Right? Yeah, 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 I know that, I know that, I know that. It's just going to be a new season and I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And then what happens is you wind up getting to it 5, 10, 15 years later. And then you look back at your life and you feel like you wasted it and you feel discouraged. And that's exactly how the enemy wants you to live your life. So busy, you can't hear the still small voice and you miss every breakthrough that God has intended for you to walk in. Sometimes you got to realize busyness is simply not from the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus says, I'm, I'm the good vine and I will prune or, or remove any vine that doesn't bear forth fruit. And the ones that do bear forth fruit, I will prune them so that they will bear forth much fruit, even more fruit. So sometimes you got to be the one to come and prune your own life. You're too busy to even stop and enjoy the roses of life or stop and enjoy the birds or stop and enjoy a peaceful moment with God. If you're so busy that you can't even see or realize the next time you're going to get a break and you're just running so flat out, this is what we started with. Do you honestly think that you can keep that pace up for 15, 20 years or is it going to catch up to you? What's What's the term we use? Going postal. Because postal officers, they used to have terrible schedules all the time, running flat out. And so we would use the term, don't go postal. Because if you hit burnout, burnout's a real thing. And then everything falls apart. And then you get bitter. 
You get bitter at God, you get bitter at man, you get bitter at everything around you because you felt like you were dealt that hand from someone that had authority and you don't realize you were the dealer the whole time and you kept dealing the cards. Somewhere along the way, you got to say, I'm not going to live my life so frustrated and busy that I miss out on the true wealth of life itself. I'm going to be there present with my family. I'm going to be there with my kids, with my grandkids. I'm going to love life. I'm going to squeeze every last thing out of it. And I'm going to say no when I need to say no. I ain't going to try and please everybody. Come on, somebody. You'll find out real quick I'm a nice guy, but sometimes I'm not pleasing to you. People live their life. Overcommit. Overcommit your time. Overcommit your resources. Be honest with yourself, bro. You can't do everything and you can't be everywhere at once. And you have to rest. You have to chill. You have to have a hobby. You have to have fun. It's getting real spiritual up in here right now. And it actually is. It's getting spiritual up in here. Cut things out of your life that are not bearing forth good fruit. Evaluate your life from time to time. You should do this regularly. Find out what, what, if you find yourself at a place where you're feeling frazzled, you need to stop and just say, all right, I'm just going to quit for a moment and stop and look at my life. And if things start collapsing really quickly around you, maybe they needed to collapse anyways, right? Maybe you just need to let some things fall by the wayside and then pick up what God's breathed upon and keep running with that. You want to produce fruit, get intentional, stop being busy. Amen? We all get into that trap, though. It's because it's like we wind up trying to keep up with the Joneses in America. We try and produce what someone else produced. We try and look at what someone else is doing. And we get in this mindset and all of this stuff to do things. One of the reasons why we get busy in life is because we get our advice from everybody else that tells us what we should do and how we should do it. There can be good advice given to you with good intentions and be the wrong advice for you. Because God has given you a brand new life and he's got a charted course for you. You're not what everybody else is speaking from a ministry standpoint. My wife and I have learned this and are still learning this, that everything that people come to us and say, why don't you do this in the ministry? Why don't you have this? We've learned when people are like pushing you to do it, you wind up doing it. They don't even show up at it and you're the one that's left doing it. And you're like, why did you even say you wanted it? Because you're not even here, boo. But I am. I'm the Yahoo that we had a staff member one time. Never mind, I shouldn't even say it. I mean, pushed and pushed us to do this Christmas movie night. And we're like, bro, it's Christmas time. We want to be with family. No, 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 this is family's church families do Christmas family night. Boom. The family night comes. We're going to watch a movie. They're like, I'm, peace out. I'm leaving. I'm going up to see my family. And I'm the y'all who hear pop, popping popcorn. And never have you ever realized how hard it is to pick a Christmas movie in a church because everybody's got an opinion. You can't play elves. We don't believe in elves. Those are demons, son. You can't play Polar Express. There's magic in Polar Express. You can't play Santa Claus. Are you telling Santa Claus is from hell? Like we wind up playing the nativity story and everybody's like... Can't play the Grinch. He's definitely a demon. My God, people. Yet you'll go home and you're going to turn it on and watch it all day long. But in here, you suddenly, Mr. Mr. got an opinion. You take your criticism and you stick it where the sun don't shine. Done. I watch Elf every year, baby. Read it and weep. Plus, on that note, when last year I said, what's your favorite Christmas movie? You guys picked Die Hard. I'm like, I'm like a sanctified minister of the Lord. I turned it on because the church is like, it's a great Christmas movie. F-bomb, F-bomb, naked woman. I'm like, what is my church doing? Like number, number two was like gremlins. Okay, that's it. Get the anointing oil out. Line them up. We're just going to start calling things out. And if you growl, we're going after it, Bubba. Come out. I knew it. You're the gremlin watcher. But 
I can't play the Grinch? What's Dabu Dory mean? It's demonic tongue. Shut up. It's Dr. Seuss. Oh, the places you'll go. You know Dr. Seuss is good company because he's already been blacklisted in this current generation. So I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, we will read the Word of God in Dr. Seuss. Best Christmas movie, Die Hard. Watch it every year. Mm-hmm. Huh? It explains a lot. Unbelievable. But you should be ashamed of yourself. That's three Hail Marys. I didn't even hold up three, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Once again, math, public speaking, people. We're learning a lot this morning. Stay with me here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm saying, yeah, who cares? Second thing Paul wrote is he says, finish the race. Finish the race. It's so important that you actually let your yes be remain a yes and not just be a yes for a week and then decide there was a shift. <laughs> I felt the breath of God blow me in another direction. God must be the schizophrenic in your life people I've had I've met people all the time the Lord spoke to me in a dream moved to Claremont Florida and I'm here like three weeks later the Lord spoke to me to move to Kentucky bro that ain't the Lord okay stop watching whatever you're watching get the word of God what people do is they're looking for a geographical breakthrough they think it must be in Mississippi. I watched that hometown show. Do you realize how cheap houses are in that town? My God, 60 grand, I could live like, 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 like a king. Yeah, but the problem is, is there's no jobs there. <laughs> That's why it's so cheap, you know? I'm going to go, I'm going to be on jo- Joanna Gaines' show. I'm going to live in Waco. I'm going to have the real life. Yeah, you ain't having no life, bro. Stop chasing fantasies and get the dreams of God established in your life. Use faith to produce real results so that you're always not always prophesying about what will come, but you're actually displaying what has already came in your life. Finish the race, he says. Finish the race. You've got to have unction. You gotta have faithfulness. You gotta have fortitude. You're gonna have to stand and realize that everything God promises comes with a fight attached to it. He gave you his spirit on the inside so that you can fight that good fight and you can overcome. But you will have to wrestle with some giants along the way. You will have to move some mountains from time to time. You'll have to cross some deserts. You'll have to go through valleys of the shadow of death. And you're going to have to keep going strong when your emotions are with you and when your emotions are not with you. When you start something, it's exciting. When you end it, it's so fun. But in the middle, you just have to keep moving. That's when the chafing exists and you're like, I should have put on the gold bond, but I got three more miles to go. And you push through, baby. You push through and say, I may be bleeding on the other end, but by God, I will finish this race. I may be bow-legged for a month, but I can at least say I made it to the finish line. Fight the good fight of faith and finish the race. (laughs) It's full of wisdom this morning, isn't it? I told you it'd be pastoral. These are really life application lessons right here. And it reminded me of the second thing the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, stop saying I'm busy. Stop saying I'm tired. How many of you this week said I'm tired? This guy right here. You know what I'm saying? Like the Lord is like, stop saying this. And I'm like, okay, God, it's just I'm tired. 
you said it, God, but I'm tired. Oh, God. This is what I mean. When the Lord speaks to you, you realize how much you need his help. Because without him, you pretty much suck at life. You're like the worst. But with him, you're an overcomer. Without him, you're just like, eh. <laughs> constant need of encouragement and support someone patting you on the back and coaxing you along but with him boy you're more than a conqueror there's a fire on the inside of you that you look at opposition and you grin because you're like this is just going to be another juicy story to tell because every giant that stood before the children of God fell the same way Goliath fell hallelujah May the spirit that Caleb had be upon you so that every giant that stands in your life will fall and God will get all the glory for it. Amen. Why do we say we're tired all the time? Because we're doing too much. It goes in hand with being busy. You're busy. You say yes to everything. You never take time. You wear yourself out. You're trying to please everybody. You're trying to produce everything overnight. You, you have all these dreams and aspirations. And plus, you waste so much time doing things you shouldn't do that produce absolutely nothing. And then at the end of a fruitless day, you go to bed and you don't rest well. Because what did I even do today? Right? Am I talking to you? Am I the only one here? It's like you go to bed and you're like, what did I even do today? And then your mind's just like, you should have done that. You should have done that. What are you doing over there? Should have invested in Bitcoin 27 years ago. Shut up, mind. There's a lot of things I should have done. One thing right now I want to do is go to sleep. So you just, you just, blah, blah, black sheep, have you any wall? Yes, sir, yes, sir, feedback, so. We're about to get back into math. One, two, three, ten, four, three, four, three, five, one. Tired all the time. Americans are just tired. You're tired because you wasted half of the hours of your week on fruitless endeavors. Let's be honest with it. You entertained yourself for way too long and you zoned out. You did fruitless endeavors. You wasted your time here. You did this over here. And at the end of the week, you feel tired. But sleep is not feeling that void. Because the tired that you're operating at is a spiritual exhaustion. Because God put you here for a purpose. And you're not tapping into that purpose. So you feel unfulfilled. So it manifests as I'm tired in life. But you're not going to live like that anymore. From this day forward... You're going to enter into a realm of perpetual blessing, perpetual harvest, perpetual success because you will focus your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. And you will manifest the promises of God in your life. They will not just be prophecies that we keep shouting. They will be things that we turn and lay hold of tangibly in our life because we have what our mouths declared we would have. Boy, I feel this today. Is everybody happy this morning? I mean, it may not be a revival message, you know what I'm saying? But it's an important message to realize. At the end of the day, we are responsible to produce the things that God wants us to produce. And I would love it if God just gave it all to us. How great would it be that if you got saved, then you wake up the next morning and there's a text from God. Hey, bro, check your bank account. Ooh, okay. Eight billion dollars. Serving Jesus is the best decision I've ever made. I'm in the club, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, then you wouldn't go to church. Exactly. Brian called it. Then you wouldn't even be at church anymore. I'm saved. I got eight billion. Sunday fun day, pastor. It's exactly what you do out on your, out on your yacht somewhere floating in the Pacific, and you didn't even invite me along. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse 28, Have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is ever weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. 
And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. So come on, you're being tired isn't because you're late, you're getting older. That's not it. So stop saying that. Stop saying I'm old too. I'm going to throw that one in for free. People start saying they're old at like 23. What is wrong with you, bro? Yeah, I'm just not as young as I once was. Just because Toby Keith sang that doesn't mean you should sing it. I'm not as young as I once was. Is that, is that, that is what he sings, right? How many people know what I'm singing right now? All right, all right, yeah. Even youths will faint and grow weary. Young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. That is your promise. If you believe it, shout amen right now. Hallelujah. You're not tired. You're refreshed of the Lord. You're not busy. You're producing fruit for God and for your life. Amen. And then Paul said to him, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. So I fought the fight. I finished the race and I kept the faith. A lot of people go around. I, I realize that it's Tuesday, not Tuesday, the second night of Awake America, whatever day that fell. <laughs> I was thinking night number two, so Tuesday came out. We don't even know what day today is, but let's just assume that it's a Sunday. Um, I thought of it night number two on Friday that I was like, where are the evangelists of America? Like, why have I not been to many things like this in America? And I have been to many outreaches, but like large scale, this type of thing, because it was awesome to watch people riding their bikes stop. It's awesome to see a woman that's walking down the trail stop and answer the altar call and ask for healing in her body and then get baptized that night, crying, coming out of the water, saying, I needed this, I had to have a breakthrough. And the Lord touched me tonight. And all she said was, I was just walking down the path. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we can get in a social club and forget the power of what the Lord has given the church. That it, cha- it breaks chains off of people. And so, keeping the faith as I sat there and realized it, I was talking to Charlie and I said, man, there's a lot of people in America that would use the title, I'm a Christian. But they have no fruit of Christianity. They have no true relationship with God. They're not walking in victory in their lives. They just assume that that's the title. When Paul said, I kept the faith, he wasn't saying I kept the title of a Christian. He said, I kept the faith. I lived the life that I'm supposed to live. I did what he told me I was supposed to do. I didn't touch what I'm not supposed to touch. And I laid hold of the promises I was supposed to lay hold of. I kept the faith, not a title. Not a social status, not a club that I belong to. I kept the very promises of God in my life. And it reminded me of the third thing the Lord told me to do. And this is the one that I do probably the worst. The Holy Spirit said, stop saying, I don't know. Stop saying, I don't know. The opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is your sight. It's you operating in the natural the whole time and not keeping the faith of God to believe for more and tap into the supernatural. And so often we'd sum everything up based upon us. And I say it to the Lord all the time. And every time he reminds me, stop saying, I don't know. I don't know how to do a crusade. I don't know how to pastor people. I don't know how to build a church. I don't know how to do a stroke a, a program. I don't know how to do a fundraiser. I don't know how to talk to a mortgage company. I don't know how to dress. I don't know how to blah, 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 blah. Everything that you think about how many times in a week the words come out of your mouth, I don't know how to do that. Well, I don't know where the nation's going. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where to invest my money. I don't know what will happen to our business. I don't know about my job. I don't know about my career. I don't know where we're going. I don't know how much time we got. I don't know comes out of our mouth so many times and we literally walk in the fruit of our words which God said my people perish for lack of knowledge. So every time we're opening our mouths and we're declaring and lending our mouths to that very plan of hell to keep our minds darkened and not alive in the things of God, we will walk in darkness. Can the blind lead the blind? No. 
but you are not a blind and your father in heaven is not blind. You've been given the mind of Christ. If you believe that, shout amen. amen. If you have the mind of Christ, then you have access to every bit of wisdom and knowledge that has ever been given at all. He knows all, seen all, has been everywhere. He wrote the end before he even started the beginning. That's the God that we serve. You've got to remind yourself of these things in your life. Remind yourself that you have been, that the, that the word of God is a lamp to your path. So when you open the word, you will get direction that is applicable to today. And you will walk that out and you will have the light of God showing you the steps that are ordered. The Bible says a righteous man's steps are ordered by the Lord. When's the last time you woke up and went after something that you knew God had ordered you to go after? There's something different that exists in a person when we're not just going by hope, not just going by maybes, but going in direct obedience to God said it. God spoke it to me. I'm going to tackle this thing. I'm going to take the land, he said. He didn't say spy in the land to cower in the land. He said spy the land because I have given you that land. You've got to get that in your spirit. You've got to remind yourself these things, that he's the one that says, I make the crooked path straight. You could spend 17 years bouncing here and there, or you could go to God and in one year take the shortcut and I don't know about you but I want the shortcut in my life each and every day come on somebody let it be my portion when the world says I don't know say that doesn't matter the world can be lost but I have the mind of Christ my steps are ordered to the Lord his word is enough and the Bible says I can boldly approach the throne of grace come on so you have access to the one that knows all has been all everywhere and has seen all when you go before him, the Bible says, when you do that, you can be confident of this, that if he hears you, he will answer you. Come on. It's not a Garth Brooks song. Thank God for unanswered prayers. Oh, I do like that song. It's kind of funny when he's like looking at the girl and he's like, I could have married that. She, she fell from the ugly tree after high school and hit every branch on the way down. That's what the song's about, people. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers because the one I prayed for is looking like she's got hair growing over there. (laughs) I think the Lord's leading me into a country music career. Peace out, guys. You're going to see me in all the new magazines. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, it says, I, even I, am the one who blots out all your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins, but put me in remembrance. Why would the Lord tell you to put him in remembrance of what he's done? Does God forget? No. He doesn't forget. His instruction is applicable to your life to remind yourself, put yourself in remembrance of everything that he has said over you. I don't know doesn't exist in your life because you can remind yourself of the word of God day in and day out and walk that word of God out. Amen. Besides that, we don't have to know everything going on. We just have to know our part. And if we know our part, we will be well. Amen. Remind yourself that you can hear his voice. I thank God daily that I hear the voice of the Lord. I mean, I think about that from time to time because literally I don't even know how I'd get through one single day of where, what I do without being able to hear the still small voice of the Lord. He speaks to me every day of my life. And there are definitely things where I bring to him. I'm like, Lord, you know, tell me what stock to buy. And he's, he's not told me. But one day I, I'll, I'll get him roped in to be my financial advisor soon enough because I'm pretty, you know, like daddy God. me time and time again this is what you're going to do this is where you're going to go 
This is how you're going to handle this situation. These are the words that need to come out of your mouth right now. This is the plan that I have for you. This is what you need to focus on. This is something you need to cut away. This is something I don't want for you. Daily, the Lord speaks to me. And I thank God for the still small voice of the Lord. Because without it, we are absolutely lost. But with it, we will never be lost. We will never be forsaken. We will always produce that which he has called us to produce. Amen. So in closing, I started this service with the question, where are you going? If you spent the next 15 years of your life doing exactly what you've been doing day in and day out right now, can you tell me 100% I will be satisfied with the results that I get? Or is there something in you that says something's got to change? I'm ready for that change in my life. I want to reevaluate. I want to readjust. I want to put my life at the feet of Christ one more time. And I want him to strip away every weight and every burden and everything that's not of him, every distraction, everything that's come against my mind to weigh me down and burden my life with busyness that produces nothing. If I could get someone on the keys right now, if that's you, then I want to pray with you and for you today because I believe that the Lord intended me to get this message out right now because we are coming up to the close, the final time of this this year we're about to hit october people go into just this mode of everything will happen next year around this time of year and so it's like oh, we start we just disconnect and next year i'm gonna hit it hard next year this is gonna happen there's still enough time in this year where if you get the plan of god you could finish this year stronger than you finished every year in your life before i believe that i really believe that but one thing's for sure Make a commitment. I'm not going to live my life busy, frustrated, tired, exhausted, living in the blind and not knowing what the Lord has in store for my life. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.